Today's reading is from 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their forces of war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Ezka. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another and the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze graves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war, the firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abinabab, the third, Shema. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from Texas in Israel. David asked the, man, the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. 
When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave these, those sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stones, the stones sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. The word of the Lord. This book belongs to Becky. I picked it up 
was titled The Boy with the Sling, The Story of David and Goliath, published by Arch Books, 1965. I open it, and on the inside front cover, written with a blue ballpoint pen, was the word Becky. I don't know the occasion on which Becky was presented with this book. Perhaps it was a birthday, like one of those extra Christmas presents, not the main one. Um, or it was more likely probably just given as some sort of reward or prize in Sunday school, maybe. These books were often used that way. Or it could have just been purchased as a book for a child, Becky, by someone, her parents, from the Bible bookstore with no special occasion in mind. The word Becky is written, written in blue ballpoint pen, was clearly not written by a child. It appears to be what I think would almost universally be identified as the handwriting of a mom. Um, and I don't really know if Becky liked this book. Did Becky get anything out of this book? I mean, I don't know. Did she receive it? Or when she received it, was she, maybe was she too young to even read? I mean, did her mom or her dad or grandma or babysitter read it to her? Or maybe she was given it uh, at a time when children begin to read these storybooks on their own. I don't know what Becky thought about this book. Did she like David, the young shepherd boy, chosen to be the future king of Israel? Did she like his confidence? Did she like his slingshot prowess? His ability to kill lions and bears, powerful, yet, and how he could protect them, the little lambs? Was Becky frightened of the giant Goliath? Was she pleased when David launched the stone from his sling and embedded it in Goliath's head? Or did the illustration of the giant laid out flat, dead, the bloody hole in his forehead where the stone connected make her feel a little sad in the way someone may feel sad when any creature dies, no matter how bad or scary or mean or different they are? I realized when I read the story of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel and the 1965 Arch book, The Boy with the Sling, that for my nearly entire life, all my familiarity with this story came through the Arch book, not 1 Samuel. When I read the 1 Samuel version, I didn't recognize it as much. And I have to say, I prefer the arch book version. That could be because it's the story that I've always been familiar with. It's how I heard David and Goliath for the first time. It's way shorter than the one in the Bible. It's a lot easier, more, more easy to understand. It's a lot more fun. I really, when I, was, when I read this, I thought the boy David was super cool. First of all, because he's like 12 or something. And what really struck me was like that he got to stay out overnight with the sheep. That just seemed crazy to me. I thought that's really cool. 
His dad let him stay out all night long by himself. And that sling seemed like magic. Like he killed bears and lions with a sling. I can't even work out how the whole sling thing, you know, like the mechanics of it. I tried to make one when I was a kid because I thought it was so cool. And I actually used the picture in the arch book as my pattern. It was just like a piece of material with two strings on one side and two strings on the other. Um, and I really, even then, when I looked at it, I didn't understand how this could be a... Like, it's not a slingshot. And so, what, you just put rocks in it and swing it around, and, just, and then it just... I went to my dad and asked him how to do it, and he showed me. He said, you just put the rock in here, you hold this string, and this finger's like there, and then you hold the other two and this finger right there, and they swing around like really fast. Then you just let these two go, but you got to hold on to this one, and then boom. So I said, okay. Like I understood, and I went outside, and I mean, most of the times the whole thing just went... And the few times that I was able to just get the rock to launch, I could never imagine that anybody could reach any kind of velocity that would stick into the forehead of a giant. But David could do it, you know? David could do it. He got that sling. He just seemed like, even the picture of him, he's got like muscles in the drawings, in the arch book. He's got like these little muscles. He stands like this. And then, like, also, cool, his dad, like, would send, send him to the front line. He just, so go check on your brothers, that he could go all by himself. I thought it was really cool. And then he gets there, and he has the guts to volunteer to fight a giant when no one else would. And he just, like, has that sling and just sticks that rock right in the head of the giant. Then he jumps up and takes the giant sword and cuts his head off and then, like, carries it around for days. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I liked that. That, that was really cool. I mean, I, I, I could see myself in that story. That David, like, he was just off on his own, you know, just doing all kind of, like, cool stuff. I mean, it involved a lot of violence, but, you know, that, I liked that part of it, too. It seemed very cool. Chop a giant's head off? Absolutely. I wish I could be like this David in the story, them little muscles. I wonder, this time when I'm looking at it, though, I was like, I wonder if Becky could see herself in that story. Like, I wonder if Becky imagined herself as the boy with the sling, like killing the lions and the bears and giants. I wonder if this story appeals more to little boys more than it does little girls. I don't know. Yeah. Like the whole story in this whole arch book, in all of the words, in all the illustrations, there is not one little girl or any women at all. I mean, it's just pretty much, there's not one female depicted, and it's just like lots of boys and men with swords and spears and rocks and smiles on their faces. Except for one big frowny guy. You know, even in the very much longer version of the story in 1 Samuel, there's only one mention of a woman. That's the king's daughter. 
And that is only by way of a bystander saying that the king will greatly enrich the man who kills Goliath and will give him his daughter. And even then, the daughter is sort of paired equally with a tax break. But maybe Becky, like many others, don't need same-gender protagonists to identify with the story. It's likely that Becky, like many people, could simply identify with, the tri- with the, an underdog story. The classic, you know, the underdog story. The classic, um, what do you call it? David and Goliath story. Maybe, too, maybe Becky was an unusually spiritual and faithful girl, and she took comfort in the continual mention of David receiving his strength from the Lord. Alone on the hills, he had kept lions and bears from stealing the sheep, and the Spirit of God gave him such courage and might that the wildest of creatures he would fight. It was comforting to her that the Spirit of the Lord gave David the strength to kill the great Goliath, to cut off his head with his own sword, and to march to bring it to Saul, who was waiting for him, and Saul greeting him with the words, Your strength from God has given you this win for Israel and victory. Maybe Becky was into that kind of thing. Perhaps Becky was a curious girl and read the Dear Parents section on the back inside cover. The Dear Parents section on the back inside cover is in very, very small font, as if it was like hiding from children's big eyes. So, dear parents, the story of David and Goliath is so loved by all children because there we have here a big bully, the giant Goliath, getting outsmarted and defeated by the little guy, David. In a way, the story extends to the entire history of the people of God. God surprises us again and again by uh, choosing instruments that in the nation of Israel that they are timid and weak, like Moses or like this young shepherd boy, David, like the little nobody, Mary, or the simple fisherman. He gives his spirit and power to the least likely people and chases the lives of men and nations through them. It's not really David or Moses or any of the important figures of the Bible who are the hero, but God is the hero. God saves his people, and God is the champion of the oppressed. He who gives power to the powerless, wisdom to the simple, and opens up new possibilities where men see only a dead end. We hope your child understands this and that you will show them with your walk and lead them not astray. Will you do this? Question mark. The editors. I like an underdog story. I like a God who saves people. I like a God who is the champion of the oppressed, you know, gives wisdom to the simple. But 
When you frame a story this way that says all this happens because of the Spirit of God, that a little boy can defeat a whole great giant and this great army because of the Spirit of God through this act, saving all of God's people, if you frame it like that, that this happens because of God's power, it leaves a big question hanging out there. Maybe by God's power, God could have taken some of that wisdom and figured out another way to do it without anybody getting their head chopped off. Why, when, you, when the Spirit of God empowers the meek to rise up, why does it end in violence so many times? I know this is just a story, right? It's, it's, an, uh, it's a folk tale. It's just a folk tale used in the service of making a point. It's not real violence. Yeah, it's just in the service of making a point. Like in this Christian reading that I've been telling you here, um, it's used to make the point that the Spirit of God can empower you to do great things even if you're small. That's, I mean, I don't know if Becky felt small. I know I felt small when I was a kid reading the book. And for that reason, that strong little David guy... This message was surely appealing to me. But in the Hebrew Bible, in the first Samuel version of the story, um, and where it's universally understood that this actually was originally a well-known folktale where a small boy defeats a giant, and this, uh, it was this classic underdog story, and it was just grafted in to the book of Samuel. And the little boy was cast as David. Um, this was just grafted in there to give David a bit of a backstory. This folktale was used to show that the great King David was also a great and amazing boy. And unlike the arch version, David is the hero of the story, not God. God's not really involved in the story that much at all. God doesn't give him the strength or the power. God doesn't ask him to kill Goliath. It's all the result of him being this remarkable boy, this future king. He says he's going to kill them because they have made fun of his God. But God's not that upset with that. It's just to show that he's a powerful king. So I don't know, can we all be a David? We, everybody loves a David and Goliath story. Everybody loves the underdog. Someone finally standing up, facing the power, overcoming it, winning. I mean, I think it's possible for the powerless to stand up to the powerful. I love that idea of the powerless standing up for the powerful. But I think the whole, like, one person against, like, a whole line of people in uniforms, armed, throwing rocks, or maybe even a couple people throwing rocks against that line of uniformed people, I just don't see how that's ever going to work. I don't think it's very realistic to even assume that that kind of thing will accomplish much change. But maybe like a whole lot of us standing up 
maybe like a whole lot of the powerful standing together without any rocks, that might just look like the Spirit of God to me.